Up next is Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Pete's Ponderings is a selection of Pete's candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis, taken from his show, Afternoons. Listen to the live broadcast of Peter Williams' Afternoon Show at 1pm, Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Great to have you with us at the start of another week. What about those Crusaders, eh? Yet another championship win. It means that of the 29 Super Rugby Championships since professional rugby started in 1996, the Crusaders have won 14 of them. They've won a title seven years in succession, although let's remember there were two titles in 2021 because of the COVID restrictions, and the Crusaders that year only won one of those titles, but that's one for the trivia buffs. However, what cannot be denied is the depth of talent that the franchise can and has mustered in the last four months. They've gone through 49 players this season because of all the injuries, including losing seven All Blacks. And to me, that shows what real talent and man management skills Scott Robertson's coaching and back office team have brought to this club. What I like best about yesterday's day after comments is that Scott Robertson says he is leaving a succession plan in place and he will make the place ready for the incoming head coach, Rob Penny, to take over seamlessly and continue the tradition. Uh, frankly, I have my doubts the Crusaders will win again next year. In fact, um, Rob Penny is really on a hiding to nothing. He's going to lose top players like Richie Moanga and Sam Whitelock. Uh, they're leaving. And after all, Rob Penny's previous Super Rugby job was a disaster in Sydney at the Waratahs, where he was sacked halfway through his contract after just one win in 11 games. Now, that's all ahead. But for now, we can celebrate the greatest sporting dynasty in New Zealand history. It's just extraordinary what's happened in Christchurch uh, since 1998. And then, as a consequence of Scott Robertson's form, there's really a lot to look forward to with the All Blacks from next year, isn't there? Well, the National Party have picked a really hot-button issue for their big announcements from the party's conference over the weekend, haven't they? You see, the recent Ipsos New Zealand Issues Monitor put crime and law and order up in second place among all the matters that concern us. And that's its highest ever placing in this survey. In number one position is still inflation and the cost of living. So the Nats with law and order have found something that is resonating and they've rolled out some policies to try and do something about it. Policies like giving judges less discretion to reduce sentences, making gang affiliation a factor in sentencing, ending taxpayer funding for cultural reports and putting that money towards victims and extending the prison rehab system to those who can't currently access a rehab because they're on remand. Now, all of these initiatives, frankly, are worthwhile trying. Of course, the opposition says they won't work. Well, they would say that, wouldn't they? Labour says having more people in prison will cost millions, 300 millions. Well, of course it's going to cost money. But I tell you what, I would sooner pay to have crims off the streets than out there, out of prison, committing more crime. The current system is definitely not working, is it? Frankly, long-term crime reduction is generations away in this country. It's not going to happen until there's a return to parental and family responsibility right across society. And certain groups of people have got to stop blaming others and the system and take some responsibility for their own actions. 
Until then, actions have got to have consequences. And as the National Party says, real consequences. And who could disagree with that? You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Well, Nobby Clark is creating waves again, and I bet he'll be getting more than a few quiet cheers of support, maybe some out loud ones as well, with some of his comments over the weekend. I'll talk about the Stop Co-Governance meeting in Invercargill later, but first to the Mayor's plan for the names of new buildings in his city. He wants a clear process for how buildings are named, but he wants to make sure that neither Toreo nor English dominate. He's happy for a building to have two names, but he wants to make sure the English name is first higher on the wall or the naming plaque for a very practical reason. There are more English speakers than there are those who understand Toreo, and that the buildings in Invercargill should reflect the English and Scottish heritage of the place as well as the Māori influence. Isn't that fair enough? That really should be the attitude being taken with the Waka Kotahi road signs as well. After all, those signs are there primarily for driver safety reasons, not to educate people in a language that, frankly, most are not that interested in. Nobby Clark is trying to bring some good old-fashioned common sense to this discussion. Neither language should dominate the other. Furthermore, the names of buildings and public facilities in any city should be simple and easy to remember. Not like that swimming pool in Mosgiel just out of Dunedin whose Māori name is so long, I'm sure it will quickly be removed from conversation and it will just be called the Mosgiel Pool. I think Nobby Clark is really onto something here in Invercargill. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now. Well, I see the Stuff News site carried another piece yesterday trying to shame those who feel too much Māori language and culture is being inflicted on the population without them having asked for it, and putting up a variety of spokespeople who say that any attempt to push back against Māori initiatives like Tereo on road signs and appointed instead of elected Māori councillors is dog-whistling and race-baiting, etc., etc. Stuff, of course, is very politically correct, and has even gone so far as to apologise for some of its reporting on Māori issues back over the decades. But yesterday they pulled out the former Mayor of Kapiti for some comment on the naming of a state highway, a discussion which, believe it or not, has been going on for six years. Now why a section of state highway needs a name, I do not know. But apparently $100,000 has been spent consulting over the name of this highway after Iwi gifted six names for various sections of it. Uh, I mean, see why the country is going broke with that sort of nonsense? Anyway, the former mayor, Krishna Guranathan, has come up with this gem, quote, Māori have a treaty, a partnership clause that gives them equal status as the cultural majority. Um, excuse me? Let me break that down. Māori and the Crown have a treaty. There is no partnership clause. There is Article 3, which says everybody in New Zealand has the same rights. 
and equal status as the cultural majority? What the hell does that even mean? How can equal and majority be in the same sentence? Some attempted explanations, frankly, just defy belief. Here is some news you're unlikely to see or hear reported elsewhere in this country. Sweden is ditching its targets for 100% renewable energy supply. Basically, the government there has decided that the plans for wind, hydro and solar to generate all of Sweden's electricity are impractical and unreliable. So they've changed the ambition from 100% renewable to 100% fossil free, which means that the country is shifting back now to nuclear power. Sweden's finance minister, Elizabeth Svantesson, has warned that the country needs a stable energy system and that wind and solar power are too unstable to meet the nation's energy requirements. Sweden voted in a referendum in 1980 to stop expansion of nuclear power capacity, and the last plant was completed in 1985. But in announcing the new requirements for more electricity production, clean electricity and a stable energy system, Ms. Svantesson said this creates the conditions for nuclear power. She says that in industrialised economies, and that's most of Western Europe, remember, a gas-to-nuclear pathway is the only way to remain competitive. Now, this is most significant. Sweden is saying that sun and wind power are way too unreliable as we spend literally millions in this country uh, investing in those technologies. But I will vouch for their unreliability. I've got solar panels on my roof and a battery as well. But I have lived under a good old central Otago inversion layer for, what, three weeks now? Low cloud, fog, and absolutely no wind. Not one single watt of power has been generated off my roof for weeks. Uh, thank God the Clyde Dam is about 35 kilometres down the road. Frankly, we should have more dams like it. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now. Well, we are constantly reminded, aren't we, in proposed legislation that Māori have this special relationship with the environment. And that's why under the Water Services Entities Act, they have the sole ability to make te mana otawai statements. And why under the Replacement Bill for the Resource Management Act, there is a plan for a national Māori entity which will oversee all planning decisions made throughout the country. But it seems when it comes to matters of the sea... Māori are not quite so conservation and environmentally minded. There is a plan for this huge marine sanctuary in the Hodaki Gulf, which iwi are objecting to strenuously. This is after another marine sanctuary planned for years in the Kermadec Islands has been opposed by iwi as well. And let's not forget Naitahu's opposition to a marine sanctuary off the Otago and Canterbury coast, and the expansion of another marine sanctuary around Campbell Island, south of the South Island, scuppered both of those ideas. So New Zealand government plans to protect significant areas of the ocean around the country from overfishing are being stopped for one word, money. Iwi put up a whole lot of nonsense like this. Marine reserves are a Western concept that extinguish mana moana, or a no-take reserve was, quote, repugnant to tikanga relationships and customary interests. 
Uh, but in reality, uh, those marine sanctuaries just stop Māori fishing interests making money from fishing some of our seas. The irony and hypocrisy is writ large all over their objections to these sanctuaries. After all, we sign up to United Nations treaties and declarations on this and that, don't we? Māori want us to abide by the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples, but when it comes to the Treaty on the Oceans, well, that doesn't seem to matter quite so much. You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Now to some of your feedback, which has come in uh, via inbox at realitycheck.radio or through text at 2057. Uh, This one says, Peter, sadly, we already have kids identifying as cats in New Zealand. I can't remember the school, but I do know it was up north. Two teenage girls were outed what was happening at their school or two teenage girls outed what was happening at their school. Apparently, they use kitty litter when going in the bathroom. Uh, they also commented that the principal had gone on leave as he wasn't coping. Sad indeed. And another comment along the same lines. Peter, I have heard that some of our New Zealand schools have litter boxes in the toilets. I can't confirm it, but seriously concerning if it is true. Now, this is in relation to some comments I made about uh, some kids in Britain uh, with this self-identification craze going on. Some kids in Britain have uh, started identifying as cats and horses, and it's being taken so seriously by some teachers in Britain that the Prime Minister and the Leader of the Opposition have been forced to comment on it. Now, yes, I have heard apocryphal stories in New Zealand, but I'd like to think they are apocryphal stories about New Zealand high schools and the same things happening here. Uh, Until I actually get some evidence, I won't believe that it's happening in this country. I think it's just a stupid rumour. But I'm prepared to be convinced that it is actually happening. But surely... Surely it cannot be. Surely our education system can't have gone that far off the tracks, could it? Uh, Peter, this whole self-identifying as a cat thing could be taken down just by parents going all in with supporting it. Only let them eat cat food, only an animal print onesie to wear, Uh, no talking, no TV because cats don't watch it, no phones... Uh, because there are no opposable thumbs, right? And no toilet, just a litter box. I'd give it a day or two, and they would change their wee furry minds. Um, Interesting stuff. Thank you for that. Uh, This is in regards now to the uh, the Titan disaster of last week. Peter, did you know that Stockton Rush, who perished on the submersible, was the son of Stockton Rush Sr., who built Takaro Lodge, uh, the hunting lodge near Tiana, in 1970? He died in 2000, aged 69. Yes, I did know that Stockton Rush Jr. had a connection with New Zealand and actually lived in Tiana uh, when he was about eight years old uh, back in the uh, in the late 1960s. And then more on that, Peter, the expression that applies to the Titan is the normalisation of risk. And that was the underlying factor in the NASA space shuttle disaster. The above expression basically means that the more we do something risky and get away with it, we tend to see the risk situation as normal. 
And that was certainly the case uh, with the Titan underwater, wasn't it? That's from Andy, who is a safety risk practitioner. You're speaking a lot of good common sense there, Andy. Thank you for those thoughts. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with the afternoon show here on Reality Check Radio, my address is inbox at realitycheck.radio. My text number is 2057. Well, the mayor of Invercargill has had quite a weekend. Not only has he made his views on the naming of public buildings in his city very well known, but he's also fronted up at a stop co-governance meeting in his city. This was yesterday afternoon. Uh, this is the series of meetings being organised by uh, Julian Batchelor. He's trying to convince people up and down the country that all hell could break loose if co-governance becomes a thing in New Zealand. Julian Batchelor says that co-governance is not actually co-governance at all, but a plan for radical tribal representatives to take over New Zealand. Um, I don't know if I'm totally on side with him, but I'd quite like to hear uh, what he's got to say if he's in my neighbourhood. Anyway, about 80 people showed up in Invercargill yesterday. Nobby Clark himself spoke, telling the crowd, quote, that using the mind, using the ability to vote and stuff like that was the way to remove co-governance. In a pretty blunt and rough and ready sort of way, Nobby's absolutely correct. Uh, Nobby also took a swipe at the mayor of the Clutha district, uh, Brian Cadigan, who had told Julian Batchelor that he was not welcome in his town of Belclutha. Nobby says that Batchelor's group being closed down was a sad indictment of democracy in this country. Yes, it most surely is. But sadly, that is New Zealand these days. The closing down of talks and discussion on difficult topics in council venues is actually illegal, I would have thought, after the various court cases in recent years. But it's more than that. It just shows a lack of courage among too many local elected civic leaders. And Nobby Clark is not one of those guys. That's why I'm loving Nobby Clark more and more every day. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now. Now, what can we expect out of Chris Hipkins' trip to China this week? The reality is, you see, that this trip is primarily about New Zealand business people meeting with potential Chinese customers or investors. Yes, Chris Hipkins will meet with Xi Jinping, and he won't call him a dictator like Joe Biden did, but Xi is paid homage to by leaders from other countries most days of the week. So after Chris Hipkins has been in there and had the photo op, the Chinese Premier, I'm sure, won't remember meeting the redhead from Down Under as one of the highlights of his year. But even the most fleeting of contact is better than nothing. However, if you think that Chris Hipkins thinking towards anything to do with human rights or the war in Ukraine will make the slightest bit of difference to the way China does business, then dream on. Chris Hipkins is the front man for a trade delegation, making sure that this country does not get in China's bad books, while at the same time keeping Chinese investment in New Zealand at an appropriate level. Enough, but not too much. And as for taking two Air Force 757s to Beijing in case one of them breaks down, well, who knew there were two of them in the first place? And second... What about the carbon emissions from two 757s? Ah, yes, yes. Well, remember that nobody does hypocrisy 
like politicians, especially Labour ones. You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Now, Australia is voting later this year for its version of the Waitangi Tribunal. Uh, There'll be a referendum on what they call the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Voice, Voice with a capital V, a so far undefined addition to the Australian Constitution, but with no details about what exactly it might be able to do and not do. The idea of voting for something you don't know the fine print of strikes me as being absolutely bonkers. And it seems like a majority of the country is now waking up and coming around to that way of thinking. A new poll out this morning from News Limited, which publishes the Australian newspaper, says 43% would vote yes to The Voice, but 47% would vote no. To become part of the Constitution, The Voice must be passed by 50% of the total population and by a majority of the population in a majority of the states. And this poll has the states running at 4-2 to two against, 4-2 to two voting no, with only Victoria and New South Wales in favour. There are many strange things about this referendum. It will be, quote, sometime this year, but with, what, half the year nearly gone? There is still no confirmed date for it. And most importantly, there is no detail about what The Voice could and couldn't do why anybody would vote yes for something as important but as undefined as this is beyond me. And this latest poll from News Limited says Australians now recognise that too. Thank you for your company today here on Reality Check Radio. This is the Peter Williams Afternoon Show. If you'd like to get in touch, my email is inbox at realitycheck.radio. My text is 2057. I look forward to being back with you on Wednesday afternoon. You've been listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Remember, you can catch Pete's full show combining smooth sounds and candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis and the Peter Williams Afternoon Show on our live broadcasts, 1pm, Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, right here on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now.